Thank you, Clive. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2? And we'll see the story of Christmas. And there are a lot of stories around Christmas. But this is the only true one, that in Matthew, that tells us what happened on Christmas. And the real Christmas happened with Joseph and the Magi and with Mary and the shepherds. And other stories are good to hear and they'll kind of stay in your head. But it's this Christmas story that will change your life. Because we had a Savior who came to save me and you. And that's a glorious message of Christmas. We thank God for that. Gifts are such a part of Christmas. Um, I remember when I was about seven or eight, my dad would take us downtown Selma. And you remember when there were stores downtown <laughs> Selma? I mean, and the sidewalks were crowded. That was good to see. My dad, my dad gave us $5. He was really exorbitant in his giving and said, go buy presents for my mother and him and my brother. And so I would go to Cress's or Woolworth. And, you know, those are five-star stores in Bammy. And I would buy my mother a, a uh, chocolate uh, thing of chocolate. And so that took up most of my $5 right there. So I bought my dad uh, probably a pen that was fit into that budget. And whatever was left, I would get my brother. That's what I got. And I think I got him a yo-yo. That was all that was left of my money. But we see at Christmas the greatest gift you and I could ever have. And that's the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It came as a kind of amazed. People were dazed, and then they were amazed as what happened at Christmas uh, God came in unexpected ways, even though he was promised from all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And yet when he showed up, they were frightened people because there's something about when God encounters us. It's a frightening kind of experience. But yet they came with good news of great joy. So in honor of God's word, would you stand as we look at uh, just one segment? And I'll try to uh, tell us a Christmas story. In um, Luke chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 6 and verse 7, okay, as it's written there. And so it was that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped that present in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them. That is Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. There was no room for them in the end. May God bless the reading of his word and you may be seated. Um, I don't know about you, but one song that sticks in my head and I, I talked to Murray about playing. Couldn't didn't he play well? He just... He wears that thing out. I mean, he really does a great job. Showing off, Murray, showing off. <laughs> I talked to him about uh, playing I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. And he said he'd do it because he's got those socks on that are just awesome. Thank you, Murray. Uh, but one that sticks in my mind is about a uh, reindeer, and he has a red nose, 
And all the other reindeer wouldn't play with him. And so he ends up uh, being down in history because he leads Santa Claus uh, where he should go. Now, would you turn to somebody next to you and tell them the name of that reindeer? See if you know the name of that reindeer. You know, that kind of tells us where our congregation is. They're listening to Rudolph rather than Ave Maria. Um, but anyway, uh, that's an interesting story to me. I really like to read about, as Frank was sharing his story today about the message, God rest you, Mary gentlemen. But it was written by a guy named Robert May. And if you, his uh, situation is a kind of hurting situation. He was a catalog writer for Montgomery Ward. And Montgomery Ward used to be the Walmart at one time that it was there. But the only job he could find in, during the Depression, he was a very gifted writer. But the only job he could find was with them as a catalog writer. His wife had cancer and she was dying. She was in the bed most of the time. He had a little girl, and, and his little girl asked him that question. Why isn't mother like the rest of the mother? Which is kind of a stab in his heart. And so he sat down and wrote this poem. It was a poem at first. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. If you ever saw it, you would even say it. There you go. You're staying with me. Good. But he wrote it and he gave it to his daughter as a Christmas gift because that was all he could afford. His um, budget was over with her, his wife's sickness and paying for that. So all he could afford was to write that story and to give it to his daughter. And it was his gift to her. He played it at, or he read it at a uh, staff meeting, an employee's meeting, and they liked it so much that Montgomery Ward bought it. And then um, there came a singing cowboy. And uh, the singing cowboy <coughs> had a Christmas album, and he didn't know where to fit. There was a place in there for one song. And they said, well, you can use this one, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And he said, no, I don't want to do that. But reluctantly, he sang it, and it became one of the best-known songs during Christmas time. So a singing cowboy named Gino. Man, you guys are into this today. But it was a gift. Uh, it's fictional, and it can inspire us because one who was kind of mistreated and didn't fit in with the crowd eventually became the hero. And it's a good moral behind that, but it does not change your life. When you read this one, this is the one that can change your life. And look with me if you have your Bibles to chapter 2 again. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, we've looked at how the angel came to uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and they were past the age of having children, and Elizabeth got uh, was uh, conceived, which was a miracle in itself. And she also was, the, we tell a story about Mary, and Mary is planning a wedding, and she is 
All of a sudden, the angel shows up, and like Zacharias in the temple, she was dazed and amazed. She was frightened. Wonder where this is going. Why is he here? And he told her that she was going to have a child, and she would agree. And all the world, or the heavenly world, was waiting for this girl to say yes. And she said, yes, I'll be your handmaid. She went to see her uh, cousin Elizabeth, who that was a sign that she would have. And she was told uh, she had that just to get somebody <clears throat> who could understand and, and feel what she was feeling. It'd be hard to tell everybody else. So she went back to her hometown of Nazareth where things were not real happy. And for a single girl pregnant, it was not easy to live among all the rumors that were going around. Uh, God came to Joseph in a dream, and Joseph ended up going to see her. But it doesn't seem to be that they were married. Maybe, maybe the rabbis in Nazareth would not marry them because of the kind of scandal that hung over their head. But there in Nazareth, and what has been promised in Micah 5.2, is the baby Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. That's the city of David was Bethlehem. That's where David was born. And so, but she was in Nazareth, and she and Joseph were in Nazareth. So they went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, and Caesar Augustus, when Caesar Augustus said something, yeah, that's what you did. And he was the ruler of Rome, and he had taken Rome during a civil war and taken over as leader of Rome. And it used to be a republic, but now it was an empire. And so Caesar sent out a, a, a decree that all the world should be taxed, and it reminded the Israelites that they were overwhelmed and occupied by an occupying enemy. And we've never had that happen ex except right after the Civil War. And Caesar sent out a decree, politics, economy. <laughs> and the decree that he sent out was to be taxed, everybody to be taxed, which is also one of those things that just digs in to the people of Israel because they were not only occupied, but now they were taxed. Joseph went from Nazareth, it said, to uh, verse 4, and Joseph went up, and whenever you go to um, um, Bethlehem and Jerusalem, you go up wherever you are because of the mountains and the terrain. So he went up, and he took with him Mary. His spouse, wife. The word there means to engage. We don't know if he had married her yet. She was engaged to him, his wife. Maybe because she didn't have to go, but maybe because the rumor mill was so harsh in Nazareth that he took her there to Bethlehem, which was his home home territory, to be um, to be registered for that tax. And it may have been there for a while. But put you, picture yourself as Mary. Uh, nine months ago, the angel had come to see her and said, you're going to be, you're going to have the Christ child, which every woman looked forward, every wife looked forward to that moment. But she hadn't seen an angel in nine months. 
and Joseph was with her, and now she's away from home. Bethlehem was a place for them to register, but their home had been, was Nazareth. And so now they're in Bethlehem. It seemed to be they didn't fit very well in Bethlehem. They couldn't find a place. And it looks like that she brought forth her firstborn son. So she delivered, sounds like she delivered a baby. Not only is she now in pain, and not only is she away from her hometown, but she's in uncomfortable circumstances. She's in a place that had a feeding trough for animals. So it doesn't paint a very good picture of what would she thought maybe would happen when the Christ child was born. We just like to bring things around that picture. We work on bringing things around that picture because we want it to look better than what it looks. And it looks like God has abandoned this couple and everything has gone south. And it looks like an impossible situation. And sometimes things don't happen like we expected them to happen. Sometimes we find find ourselves in pain and abandoned and all alone. We would like to put the little drummer boy in there or the Mormon tabernacle choir or the little lamb that comes along and he's there. But that is not the case. She brought forth her firstborn son and laid him in a manger because there was nowhere else to go. It looks so drab. And how do you make it through those moments when you feel like God has kind of left you and God had promised this and here you are right here in this situation? And how do you make it through those kind of moments? And what's holding her together in the middle of that situation? And sometimes you just feel abandoned and the feelings kind of go all different kind of directions. And this is what held her together. This is what brought her there in the first place. Nothing is impossible with God. And that was a scripture given her. And it wasn't so much of feelings that were handling that because you can't always rely on your feelings. You have to have something to hold on to in the middle of those kind of moments that you feel like, You've broken and God's kind of abandoned you and left you and there you are just kind of all alone and you wonder where God is in that moment. So she says, she kind of holds on to that scripture. Now what's happening is outside the manger. What's happening is in the fields because it tells us in verse 8, if you have your Bible, and there were in the same country shepherds And they were abiding in the field. That is, they went out there to live in the field. And um, they were watching their sheep very carefully because there were lions and there were bears. You remember the story of David having to face the lion and the bear as a shepherd boy? There were lions and bears, and there were also two-legged people that would steal their sheep. So they're watching their sheep very carefully 
And sheep you have to watch carefully. You can take cows and put them in the pasture and leave them alone. But you take sheep, put them out in the pasture, they will not survive. They need care. And so they're watching them very carefully. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's this angel. It was a sudden appearance like it was with Zacharias in the temple. It was a sudden appearance like it was Mary in Nazareth. But it was a sudden appearance as they're out there in the fields. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up. The word angel means messenger. It could have been the same angel. We're not telling the name of the angel that showed up. But he was there and he had a message. And here's his message. And the angel said unto them in verse 10, stop being afraid. And they're, they're afraid. Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been in the darkness? And fear came out of nowhere. So he says, stop being afraid. And then he says, behold, or not being afraid, for let this fill your fear. Let this chase away that fear that you may feel. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And it shall be to all people. It will also, it didn't, Magi came who were very rich and powerful men and they come, but it's also for shepherds. And I thank God it's for shepherds. These shepherds were like uh, working class people and the message is not only for the Magi and all that they have, but the message is also for shepherds. But there's a history of shepherds in Israel, if you remember, uh, David was, when they chose a, a king to replace Saul, that Samuel came to Jesse's house and Jesse paraded all of his sons in front of, uh, in front of uh, Samuel. But one son he left out, and that was David. And he said, do you have another son? He said, sure. But he's out there taking care of the sheep. Go get him. And so he came from out of the fields and he came to Bethlehem to be anointed king. Now these shepherds are out there in the field. They're going to follow that kind of same pattern that's there. Shepherds are out in the field. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. It's connection with David. And he tells titles that Gina was talking about. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Two, three titles. He's the Savior. He rescues us from the sin and death in this world. He is Christ who is the Messiah that was promised a long time again. And he is Lord. And one of these days we will kneel before him and say he is Lord. The whole world in Revelation says the whole world will kneel before him. And say, Lord, curios is a Greek word. And then he gives them a sign. And you remember Zacharias asked for a sign, and he could not speak, and he had the silent treatment. But he asked for a sign, and or they didn't ask for a sign, they gave him a sign. And the sign is, you will find a babe 
wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, let me tell you what that in literary terms. That is an oxymoron. Are you with me? Do you know what an oxymoron is? It's a moron from Oxford. Amen. If you, I don't want to go over your heads. <laughs> a big shrimp. It contradicts, seems to contradict. Uh, Lord, Savior, Messiah, born in a feeding trough. God comes to us in unexpected ways, in a feeding trough. But picture here is of God happening in the earth. I like the for you kind of sense there when he told the shepherds, it's for you, it's for you, it's for you. Charles Allen is a Methodist preacher, was a Methodist preacher, and he taught, grew up in a little Texas town, and they all had this one-room schoolhouse. And they drew names for uh, everybody who would get presents. And so they all came to have the Christmas, or the last day of school, school that time, for get presents. And the boy who drew his name was sick. So everybody got a present but Charles Allen. And he said when he walked home, he felt so left out of the group. But here's the message for you and me. It is for you and me. It's for shepherds. It's for wise men. It's for whoever you are. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, if you look in verse 13, all of a sudden the the sky lights up with angels. The word there for host and of angels is like an army of angels. And they're here, there, everywhere. There's just lights all over the place in the darkness. And you can imagine those shepherds seeing the greatest sight they could ever see. And the angels sang, and this is what they sang, in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill. Toward men. And after that, they began to disappear. As the angels were going away from them, the shepherds are talking one to another. Well, that was great, but we got to get back to our sheep. <laughs> Is that what they said? They said, let us now go into Bethlehem. It's amazing how much God does so much for us and how little we return from all that he showed. They not only listened and heard, but they did the message. And they came to Bethlehem and they found the Christ child. Now, they went away rejoicing. And um, when the baby was born, Mary was confirmed about this. And Mary needed to hear. She needed to hear from those shepherds all the message they were bringing to her. But she tried to put all this together. She's like a, 
like a, she pondered all this and to put it in her heart. She was trying to bring the message and make it make sense and, or at least the mystery of it. But there's some things about God you and I will never miss, miss mystery. We will never solve a lot of the mysteries of God. But the promise of God is that we can receive it, even if we don't understand everything, even if we don't know why. Because a lot of those whys that we have will never be answered in this life. But we can experience his presence. Now I want you to bow your heads for just a moment as we let God experience his presence to us. God can happen anywhere. He happened in the temple. He happened in the room where a, little, where a young maiden was trying to figure out her life. And he happened in the fields with the shepherds. And the gift is not just a gift for those elite spiritual people. It's a gift even for shepherds. It's a gift even for you and me. All of this is so profound that you can write libraries about it. But it's so simple that a little child can understand. Christmas. It's a life-changing experience. Just for a moment, just let God's presence fill you in this place. And whatever you're going through, it may be that you're having a merry experience and you're wondering where God is in your moment. If you are not doing that now, you will be sometime in your life and you need something to hold on to. When you can't experience him, you can't feel him like you want to feel him. Father, be with us and bless us. Thank you for the Christmas story. All the merriment around it, that's good, and let's celebrate that. But let's also open our hearts wherever we are and experience his presence with us as we celebrate a God who couldn't leave us where we are but came to us in the form of a little baby. That is awesome. Father, I thank you for blessing us. Thank you for the story. Help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.